Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Getting to the end of 2020, huh? Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> you know, when I was coming up in ministry, nobody ever mentioned anything about pandemics right? We always knew that uh, the Bible tells us, Jesus says it himself, that there are going to be pandemics like this. There'll be a lot of different things that are going to happen as the time draws close for his return. But you, you never really sets in until you probably go through one. And there's very few people probably around on the earth today that have been through uh, the original major pandemic of like 1918, right? And so I had a, a great-grandfather, as most of you know. I didn't know him, but he, had, he, was, uh, he died in the Spanish... They call it the Spanish flu, but it's really H1N1, and, uh, of 1918. My grandfather was roughly nine years old. His name was Ivan. That would be my dad's dad. And Ivan uh, went to work to support the family at nine. Talk about needing prayer ministry, right? Wasn't any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> He just had to go to work. Then I, I would assume it, she would be called my great-grandmother. Her name was Amanda. Uh, married a hillbilly who is not blood-related to me. Okay? And so uh, he did not go to work to support the family. So my grandfather had to continue working to support his family from nine years old until... Um, he married my grandmother, who was 14 at the time. They got married young back then. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, of struggles and hardships that people go through. Sometimes that they're, they're thrust upon us, and we don't know. We didn't know it was going to be like this. We didn't know it was going to be this way. It's, it's a little tougher than what I thought it was going to be. And that can be just in anything that you do. And so what I want to talk about today and just put before you is, is that although 2020 was not really what we expected, still doesn't mean that we don't overcome. Doesn't mean that we're overwhelmed and cast down and thrown out. And so just, let's just do a quick year in review, right? Because we're about, it's about been a year since we first heard this, I, this word, COVID-19. You all remember it started in, in Wuhan, if that's how you say it right, China, began to spread. And still, we weren't really sure what was going on. Nobody had an idea. And at the beginning of everything, uh, people were saying, medical people and politicians were saying, ah, it's just going to be like a flu. You'll be all right. You'll get through it. Right? And then all of a sudden, things said, well, it's not like that. And listen, it's not about conspiracy theories. It's not about anything like that. It just is what it is. And so now all of a sudden, COVID is, we're hearing this, well, it's a little bit more dangerous than that. It can be very deadly for those who have compromised immune systems. We've seen that. We've seen people with compromised immune system or with other things going on that that disease in some people seems to uh, make worse. And so what we did as a church, we're like, well, listen, there's, there's several ways you can look at this, and we're just going to look at it at love. And so, you know, we'll wear, we'll, uh, so in February, we shut down for a little bit. We went to church online. Wasn't the funnest thing I've ever done in my life. I wasn't really excited about it. Although, 
it did help us, you know, reach other people in other states because they were looking for things to be a part of. They couldn't go to church themselves or were whatever, for whatever reason. And so we were reaching some people online. Well, that's, that's good. And you can always find the gold in the midst of the coal somewhere, right? But it's not, it's not the... The, it's not the intention, it's not the way church is supposed to always be done, but in the midst of what we're going through and being flexible, there's things we can do to still get the word out, still protect people because we're not really sure what this disease is yet. Now we're in a, a, a year in and we kind of got an idea. But we were walking through this and, and we were closed down. We were online. And we've been social distancing keeping our distance away from people. We've been wearing masks, and it's uncomfortable. A mask really isn't uncomfortable. What's uncomfortable is, is not being able to connect with people on the level that we've been created to connect with. And we can't, we can't just forget about that. We can't forget about the needs that we have for connection. Just being, you know, locked up in our houses and knowing going out when it's really, really important. And if you do something bad, then you've got to wear the scarlet letter of COVID so everybody knows you're a horrible person. And what we did see a lot, though, is it, it brought some uh, revelation, at least to me, about the state of the church in the midst of a pandemic. See, as the government was probably woefully unprepared to deal with the pandemic, so was the church. And though we deal with things differently, the government deals with whatever it deals with as governments deal with stuff. But the church deals with things a little bit differently. She doesn't take her cues from a government. She takes her cues from a king who runs a kingdom. And what we began to really see and notice is the lack of love that was supposed to be in the church. What this really did was really show that there were battle lines, not us and them, but us and us. See, everybody's wondering right now, it's like, oh man, people hate each other. You know, you got Republicans, you got liberals, they hate each other. Oh man, it goes far beyond that. It's not just a Republican and liberal thing, it's a people thing. And what this thing began to really uncover is not so much of the love that the church is supposed to have for its people or one another, because we really didn't. We got ticked off because, oh, maybe somebody's going to make us wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. I have to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. Well, you're not a real Christian. Well, you're just a jerk. And what we really need to uncover is, is we really don't have the love that we say we profess towards one another. And because of that, we do not have the impact in the world that we've been destined to have by our king, which means we're not listening to the king. Because he operates out of love and abundance. And he has given us so much love towards us. The expectation was to extend that love to others. We don't want to do that. We rather believed in conspiracy theories. Aliens. Maybe it's an alien bug. They're taking over. It's Independence Day all over. The other thing that really showed is, 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 is fear. And because we didn't have the perfect love, we had perfect fear. 
And we operated from that. I'm, I'm talking about the church as a whole in America. We operated based on fear. You know, when you, when you read the New Testament and you read the history of, of Christians who got lit on, who, who, would, who would not recant their faith, right? Yeah, these people would not recant their faith. And so what did Caesar do? He used them to, as, as kindling to light the fire in his garden. So you'd see these massive poles that were supposed to be for torches with Christian bodies wrapped around them, lit in fire so he could walk through his garden by night and see. All they had to do was recant. All they had to do was say, well, Jesus, you know, he may be one Lord, but he's not the Lord. All they had to do was give up on what they believed. And they wouldn't do it. These people would be thrown to lions, would be torn to bits. And you know what? God didn't save every single one of them. Some of them went to a gruesome death. All of the disciples except one, they tried to kill him, boiled him in oil. That didn't quite work. So they threw him on a little island called Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation. And we have to ask ourselves in this time of, of struggle and hardship, what is important and what do we value? Because that is what's going to be shown not only to our families, but to the world. What's important to you? Say, well, you know, football. Not this year. Or, you know, I really miss fishing, or I really miss insert whatever there. What's, what is important to you that's going to last throughout the annals of eternity? Because the reality of the world that we live in is not going to last forever. And I'm not talking about comets, and I'm not talking about any of this kind of stuff. I'm saying that there's a time limit on the earth that we live because Jesus is coming back. And the things of this earth should be growing strangely dim to us in the light of the fullness of who he is. Because what we believe in with him are the things that will last throughout all of eternity. Is he a good guy? Is he kind of cool? Is Jesus my homeboy? Is he Lord? Is he Savior? Is he your only hope for eternal life? Because those are the things that are most important. And if those are the things that are important to you and important to us as a body of believers, then that is the thing that should motivate us into everything that we do. All the decisions in my, of my life should be wrapped around that one thing that I believe about who he is. All of the decisions of my life that I make from day to day should revolve around the person of Jesus Christ and who he is. Not just to me. See, he's king of kings and lord of lords. Really, no matter what people believe, he is who he is. We would rather open our hearts to him on, on this side. But we can't when we're a church that is paralyzed by fear. And let me just give you a few scriptures here. And, and, and here's your Christmas message. One of the biggest themes throughout the Bible is really this. Well, there's a lot of themes, but it, there's bigger themes. And there's a, there's a big theme that really people don't talk about too much. It's, you won't find it in probably any systematic theolo 
theology book or anything like that. You won't find it, in, but you'll find it in the Bible. And one of the biggest themes that we find in the Bible is two words. Repeated over and over and over again. Are you ready? Fear not. You see, when Abraham and, 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 and the Lord are having their conversations, all of a sudden, uh, Abraham's facing some tough times, right? All of a sudden, you have, you have Genesis 13. He's like, hey, get out of the land that you're living in and go to a land that I'm going to give you and your descendants, right? Well, that sounds cool. In, in our humanistic mind, we think, well, since God called us to do something, then it's going to be easy. We're not going to face any harsh problems or anything like that. <laughs> really? So Abraham goes, and he's, he's going all the way to, to uh, getting out of Ur and going into this land that the Lord is going to give him. He's going to face trial after trial after trial, and the Lord is coming to him. And he's like, hey, Abraham, fear not, for I am your exceedingly abundant reward. I was actually hoping for a little coin in my pocket, but okay. He says to him, I am your exceeding abundant reward. You see, what we begin to find out in these two words of fear not is that when we trust it, everything that we need is going to be found as we pursue the course in Him. All of a sudden, we move down the road and we're this little guy called Moses. 80 years old on the backside of a desert, failed at his calling the first time. Because he knew since he was born, he was supposed to be someone that's supposed to, to, to bring liberty to his brethren. But because he wasn't plugged into who, who, the, the Lord himself, he tried to do it in his own calling. Which is why when he sees uh, these two, he, uh, these, this, this Egyptian beating this Hebrew guy, he goes and he kills the Egyptian. Why? Because there was a calling on his life to bring liberty to the Hebrews. But it wasn't submitted to God yet. And so he goes out in his own power. And then when they find out, he sees two Hebrew people fighting. He's like, hey, why are you fighting? Like, hey, you're going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? That's what happens when you try to enter in to a calling of God without integrity of God. Or the presence of God. You're going to go out in your own power and you're going to mess it up. The goodness of God, though, gives you second chances. It's going to be 40 years later, but it's a second chance. Took him 40 years to learn some things. I can attest to that. Anybody else in the crowd? Takes him 40 years to learn. And then after that 40 years, it, it takes a burning bush. Whispers is calling back to him. Comes up with a bunch of different things. Finally, we get to the end of that, towards the end of that story. We're actually about the middle of the story where they're walking out. And they see this Red Sea. The Red Sea in front of them. And they see all of Egypt coming behind them. What are you going to do? When the road before you is blocked. When people are screaming things at you. We're going to die. And the evidence is coming behind them on chariots and we can't get through this way. And what happens? The reminder, fear not. Watch what I'm about to do. See, you don't really get to see the miracles, God, until you've been put in the hard places. Because <laughs> Moses ain't gonna, they don't have paddle boards. 
don't got jet skis, don't got boats, don't got anything to get across that, that sea that stands before him. And they don't have weapons to fight the Egyptians who are coming to behind them. So they need a miracle. If you need a miracle, here's the thing. You can't access a miracle through fear. You access the miracle through faith. And so as he's standing before them, fear not. Moses, go stick that little stick in the pond and watch what happens. And here's what the Bible says is that the, the Hebrews, they walked through on dry ground. You understand this is the Red Sea, right? The wind comes, but they're walking through on dry ground. Why? Because he is who he says he is, and he does what he says he'll do. And all he's asking is for you to not operate in fear, but to operate in faith and to trust. You look through, throughout the, the uh, Old Testament, fear not. I've called you by name. Don't fear because I've given you an identity. Don't fear this. Don't fear this. Till later we get down to the Gospels. Well, first before we get to Luke one we've got this problem, right? It has been 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and what we will call the beginning of the New Testament that there's, that there's been any words from the Lord. They call it the 400, they call it the intertestimony period and it's 400 years of silence. That's what they say. Do you think the people were looking for something? Do you think it was about times like, God, we need a word. God, we're desperate here. We, we don't know what to do. But the problem is you're not really seeing that from the, the religious people of the world. You're hearing that from the poor and the oppressed that have been enslaved, not just from the Romans, but also from their own people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. God, I need a word. It's been 400 years. Do you think people are getting ready? <laughs> are anticipating a little bit? Because there's a lot of people that are popping up on the scene and saying, hey, I'm, I'm the Messiah. It was a very popular time for Messiahs back then. Except every one of those that were popping up were, were going to be military leaders who were going to go out in power and might and <coughs> God wills it. God will said. And we will overtake the Romans and we will do this and we will do that and blah 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 blah. And we will what they were really saying is we're going to go out in our own our own power and do this ourselves because obviously God has abandoned us. But all they what they really didn't understand is that the times that they were living in because they weren't people of Ishakar. They didn't understand that God had his own Messiah. And he was, about to fill the, he was about to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham and Isaac on a hill. He said, don't kill your son because uh, he's going to provide a lamb for himself. That's what Abraham says. But before that can happen, that, that Messiah has to come, right? Nothing is happening. All of a sudden, you get this, what, 14-year-old girl who's engaged to be married. Kind of like my grandma. 14, roughly. 
She's engaged to this guy, and you know the story. And in that tradition, engagement meant, you know, they, they were legally, contractually married, but they spent a year away from each other. And so they're, they've, they're spending time away from each other, yet they're contractually married. I'm not a big fan of that part. Glad that's kind of changed in our culture. But all of a sudden, this, this angel Gabriel shows up. Remember what he says? Oh, Mary. Found grace, right? This empowered message. And then he says, what does he say? Two words. Fear not. Because you found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And he's going to give you a great opportunity to birth the new thing that he's going to be doing. And it's going to be, you know, I, I'm listening to this angel guy and everything sounds great, doesn't it? You would think that, Mary, you have gone from, you know, this pauper house to the palace, girl. Get your clothes on. Let's go, right? But it's not really a Joseph moment, is it? He's just telling her all of these things that are going to happen. You found favor with God. You, all, the, you're going to carry the Messiah. You're going to name him Jesus. All these wonderful things. And she's like, how can this happen? I've never known a man. Hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Wrap that in your theology. I don't know. Mom, mom, I'm pregnant. <gasps> the Holy Spirit did it. That only worked once, people. Doesn't work anymore. I mean, I, I tried that probably 30 years ago. It didn't work on my mom and dad either. It's like, did she really know what she was getting into? Maybe not. But she had this visitation of an angelic being who told her she had found favor in the eyes of the Lord and that he was going to use her to birth something new on the earth and she was going to find favor throughout all the annals of history while it lasts. He didn't exactly read the fine print. That to the rest of your culture, you're going to be living in shame. You're going to find favor with God, but you're not going to find favor with the culture. As a matter of fact, this is not going to be the easiest thing you've ever done. Now, I've never given birth to a child. I have given birth to a kidney stone, and it hurts. Very bad. And I did not receive the blessing that comes. Different blessings, people. Trust me. But she's looking. If, if she focuses on, on the culture, she's never going to access the blessing if she focuses on what people are going to say behind her back about what God has given her the opportunity to do, then she's never going to do it. If she's going to live in fear, she's never going to operate in faith. And I'm not saying that you're never going to be like a little scared. I'm not talking about that. Because sometimes, man, it just hits you. And at that point, you can't stop something. From, my dad, wise man, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head and crapping in your hair. But you can stop it from building a nest. 
And sometimes these thoughts come flying into your mind like a bird crapping on your head. You know, you can't do it. But you can stop it from dwelling there. You can stop yourself from operating and, and being motivated by fear. You can stop that in an instant and say, because you can bring every thought captive to Christ. And if that doesn't measure up to the excellence of who Christ is, then it's not a thought. I can't entertain a thought in my head that doesn't match what Christ says about me. I can't do that. Or I'm going to operate in fear, and I'm going to operate in faithlessness. Here it is. Fear not. You're going to have a child. What's the first thing that happens? Oh, Joseph. See, he's going to need, a, he's going to need someone talking to him from the supernatural side, too. <laughs> going to confirm this. Because he has the right in that culture to have her stoned and put to death. You want to talk about the callings of God on your life? Because what you're embracing from the supernatural side is most likely going to be hated on this side. Jesus said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. means it's not going to be easy what God is calling you to do on this earth, but it is going to be possible and it will be accomplished if your focus and your motivations are on the right things. And all of a sudden, instead of putting her away, giving her a divorce and shoving it to her side, he's kind of a merciful guy. He didn't want to see her harm, but he's just going to shove it off to the side. He gets this supernatural vision and now, and now, they've got unity. See, the people that you bring alongside you or that God brings alongside you in this calling that you're going to go, you have to operate in a unity. You have to be on the same page. You can't, you can't, be, you can't have differing opinions about differing things because that's not, doesn't mean you can't talk things through, but I'm talking about the focus and the path that you're on. It cannot be different. Fear not. This theme is going to go throughout the New Testament, isn't it? Paul's going to tell Timothy, hey, listen. God did not give you a spirit of fear. He's reminding him, I'll give you a spirit of power and of a sound mind. You did not receive the spirit of fear. You received a spirit of power and of a sound mind. See, there are signs, there are things that are happening that God will do for his people that it'll, it can be supernaturally. Very often, it's, it can be a supernatural thing that God does that confirms in your soul, in the lightness of everything, that this is what you're supposed to do. And you should never doubt in the dark what he has confirmed in the light. Because you're going to go out there. The world is dark, and you're going to go out there and face it. And all you've got is his presence. And the, when I got married to my wife, I knew that I knew that I knew, you know? I knew that this was it. I, there, wasn't, there, wasn't going to be, there wasn't going to be someone else, right? There was never this entertainment in my mind of, well, if this doesn't work off, you know, you can do something else. Because, because we weren't embracing this as a cultural joining together. Well, if it doesn't work, we can, you know, get divorced or do something else, you know. We knew that the vows that we were saying right there in front of Chris and in front of her pastor, Rick, we knew that those were vows, that those were commitments that we were going to live by come hell or high water, through sickness and death, good times, bad times, all of that stuff. Whatever happens, it's you and me, kid, right? 
and the commitments we've made to each other and the commitments that we've made to the Lord. It's the same when you call yourself a Christian. Why do you think he calls us the bride of Christ? These same types of commitments that we utter. It's not just a, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I've been a bad boy. Repentance is like, Father, I'm a sinner. And there's nothing I can do about my sinful state. Everything about me revolves around the sinfulness of who I am. I've tried and I can't do anything about it. I commit myself to you because I believe that you are the Lord and Savior. I believe you say who you say you are. I believe you have done and will do what you say you have done and will do in my life. And I'm committing myself to you and the sacrifice that you've made that takes care of my sinfulness. I'll do it right here at this cross and the rest of my days will revolve around who you are. Because I'm married to that. And in a world that we live in of of casual declarations. I say it, but I don't really mean it. It doesn't work in the Christian faith. It doesn't work. So 2020. Coronavirus. May 25th, uh, George Floyd was killed set off massive I don't have a problem with protests I don't have a problem with looking over policies of our police force or anything I don't have a problem with that I don't have a problem with going through all these different kinds of things and saying hey listen uh, we've looked at all this and what you did as a police officer was absolutely wrong and you need to be held accountable to that everybody should be okay with that The problem is, is things were hijacked, weren't they? It went far beyond just some of that. Cities are burned and looted, not for the purpose of what happened, but for something else. Wickedness began to prevail upon the land. All of a sudden, we're calling for, we don't need the police anymore, defund the police, all these different kinds of things. That had nothing to do with what happened on May 25th. And it's, what we realize is that the world changed. What we realize is that the hate or the lawlessness, like Jesus talks about, is starting to abound because the love has grown cold. I don't know where it goes from here. I can't stand up here. I didn't prophesy. If you, if you remember what I say at the beginning of 2020, don't listen to some of this garbage coming out there of 2020. It's going to be your best life now. 2020 vision in 2020. Remember that stuff coming out from, from people, high up prophets and all that different kinds of stuff? I never got involved with that. You want to know why? Because it was outer court prophesying. Just because it was 2020, all of a sudden you're going to say that it's 2020 vision. It just became a cliche sort of thing. And people operated that. But now, if I would have heard somebody say, hey, listen, man, it's going to be 2020. It's going to be the worst year of your entire life so far. But get this, you're going to overcome. 
I can get along with that. I could have gotten on that one. I would have hoped he was wrong, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to stand up here and say, listen, 2021, it's going to make it up. God's going to make up for 2020. That's not what the Bible says. Can you imagine some of the people in the, in the Bible today, what they would be saying if they were hearing some of the stuff that was coming out of people's mouths? Where did you get that? Because it certainly didn't happen for some of the disciples. <clears throat> and if anybody, I would think, should have been taken from the prison to the palace like that, it would have been the disciples. But they were taken from presence to prison, but they took the presence with them, which tells you this. They weren't focused on what I can get in this life now. They were focused on what is going to matter for the kingdom. And if it's my life, then it's my life. If I die doing what God has called me to do, so be it. It's for his glory, not mine on this earth. His glory. If it takes my life being spilled out or poured out, then i got to be okay with that because it's him. It's his glory. I'm not building empires. I'm living in a kingdom. I'm not looking to be the CEO of the Christian corporation. I want to be the least of these. Serving the greatest of him. So where does this all go? Even in the darkest and fearful times that we've been going through in 2020, I cannot promise you that it's going to get any better or stay the same or not get worse in 2021. I mean, you read the Bible, people. If the world has shifted, if things have shifted, it's not going back. The 80s are gone. The 70s are over with. The 90s are done. The 2000s over. Looking back and thinking how great life was back in the 80s is not going to help you right now. Looking back at, oh man, I wish I, oh man, I wish I could go back to it. This is why, people, you're seeing all these reboots in Hollywood. Because it's the culture's attempt to bring peace into people's lives. Oh man, there, have you seen how, how many old movies and old um, um, sitcoms that the night court is coming back for crying out loud <clears throat> you know all these things why are these coming back why is this happening because people Christianity is not intolerant Christianity is whosoever may call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved Christianity takes all kinds Christianity will take you as you are it just won't leave you there Jesus Christ will take anybody who's struggling with anyone. It doesn't matter if you're a drug addict. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with sexual immorality, whatever kind that is. It doesn't matter if you're struggling here, here, here. It doesn't matter what. Everything is level at the foot of the cross. But when you come to the cross, he doesn't leave you in that position. He doesn't leave you as a drug addict. He doesn't identify you as these things anymore. He identifies you as a son or a daughter and welcomes you into the kingdom and gives you the benefits that come from that, which is peace. The peace that Jesus is talking about is reconciliation between the world and the Father through him while all hell is breaking loose.
So fear not. Because we are living, I think, in the greatest time of history where we get to put into practice all the things we said we would do way back here. And we get to live like we've always decided we wanted to live when we talked about way back here in the past. Well, here it is, baby. The check is being brought to the table. It's been paid in full by Jesus. And every word that we've uttered from our mouth, we now get to put in practice in the culture. And here's the thing. Lastly, what a coincidence. What a coincidence that towards the end of 2020, right around Christmas time, there's going to be this magnificent star in the sky. Come on, people. You know what he's saying. You know what he's saying. You know what he's saying. There are no coincidences. This star, well, it's actually the rotation of the planets, and it's just Jupiter and Saturn, and it's really a logical thing. Come on, you got to dropkick that garbage out. You know what this is. This is a sign from our Father who's saying, I'm still in control. Remember what I did back here? Remember what I did way back here? See all these stories of how we prevailed back here? It's going to be exactly the same right now. You win. You win. So fear not. And tomorrow night, I don't even care if it overclass. I, you know, they can bring in all the clouds. I may not be able to see. It could be fog. I may not be able to see two feet in front of my face. I'm, it's not going to stop me from enjoying of what God has put in the sky. That's reminding me of his goodness, his promises, and his faithfulness that I will get to walk through no matter what comes at me in 2021. So I may have taken a hit in 2020. Hey, maybe the devil threw me a left hook. That's okay. That's okay. He didn't knock me out. He didn't even knock me down. He just made me aware of my resources and how to fight for 2020. Not just for myself, but for you. And you fighting for me. And us experiencing at this time in our life what community is really supposed to be about with one another. Amen? There are promises in the Bible that are for us from him. Some of the greatest gifts that God could ever give mankind. He didn't give you one. He's given you a bunches. And they're to strengthen you and they're to encourage you. So you're not laying down. You're not being beaten down or any of that kind of stuff. You're standing strong in whom God and what God has said about you over your life. Not even death, people, has the final word over you. Death is no longer the end. Death is the bus stop. That's all it is. It's the bus stop. You walk into it. Here comes the bus to glory. And you get on it. It's it. And we need to remind ourselves of these things. And to not shrink back from what God has spoken over our lives. What God has declared through his word. Because we've seen it happen in the past. Which we call the testimony that will see us through in the days that are now and the days that are come. Amen.
Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife@aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.